Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. We're excited today because we not only get to interview a couple that has a restored marriage, but we get to talk with friends of ours that have a restored marriage. And it's always fun to sit down with friends and to look at what God has done in their marriage. So today we have Greg and Missy with us, and you might have heard from them if you've been with Rejoice for a while, heard bits and pieces of their testimony. But today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into what God has done in their family over the years since their marriage has been restored. So Greg and Missy, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you guys. It's so fun to get to talk to you guys and and it is, we are like a big extended family. We wish we lived a little bit closer, but thank God that we can still talk via all this great technology. Yeah, we actually get to see you guys this time on Zoom. So that's cool. <laughs> You're right. We're thrilled to have Missy and Greg here. And we're thrilled that they're going to be able for you all to hear their testimony and share what the Lord has done um, and restoration of their marriage and, and how Missy started standing and started what happened to her life first and then we'll continue on as it progresses but we're thrilled to have you here and uh, it's great to see you as a couple together thank you you want to open with a scripture marriage restoration is so important and i love there's so many scriptures that i really love to use as as we read our devotionals you all know about the scriptures but this scripture came to mind when I was praying for Missy and Greg today that they would be able to have the Lord give them memories of what all of you are praying for right now is restoration of your marriage. And it can be with your spouse at home that they're talking about leaving or they're not happy and they want out of their marriage, or it can be all sets of different circumstances But we need to go back to Matthew 19. I'll start with verse one. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made the male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. God gave me that scripture as one of the scriptures. After I divorced Bob, it seemed to pop up in my Bible. Um, that I didn't know ahead of time, nor read about separation and divorce to um, get wisdom from God. You know, I was so angry. I was so mad at Bob's unfaithfulness that I didn't ask the Lord, what does he say? I just walked in the flesh. And that's why we teach this now is you don't live by your emotions. And you don't do what the, your thought process might. The enemy can touch our minds and give us a lot of garbage to say and to do. But the Lord's will and way is what we need to follow. And that's why we 
have Missy and Greg to share their testimony because they didn't have to go down all the different roads that I did because of my disobedience. So we love to have restored marriages because not everybody has to go through separation and divorce to get a marriage to be built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Greg and Missy are fortunate that they never ended up in divorce. They had a separation and you were close to divorce, but we want to hear your story. So take us back. I know you guys had a long courtship. You dated for a while. You had a long distance relationship for some time, and you even had a long engagement where you were engaged for six years. But once you finally got married, what did your marriage look like in the beginning? Was it all that you expected it to be? Was it happy in the beginning? Did you find that you had problems in the beginning or what did it look like? Well, first off, I just wanted to, to uh, mention that I, I think it's really cool that that verse from um, uh, Matthew 19, that was actually in my reading this morning. I, I started up again uh, my Bible in, in a year reading and that exact passage was my reading this morning out of Matthew. And, and I, I always think that that's uh, really cool when those things kind of pop up again. And, and then also it's, it's just really funny that, that Jesus tells the, the teachers of the law, haven't you read the scripture <laughs> and, and uses the, the scripture that they should know to tell them why what they were thinking was, was messed up. And, and I think lots of times we, we try to, uh, to take and justify the way that we think and, and uh, what we want to do with, with our own interpretation that, that Jesus was just like, you know, this is what the scripture says. Haven't you read the scripture? And so that was really, really cool that Charlene had that this morning. So, Well, and I'm going to, I know we are going to answer your question, Lori, but I was thinking when Charlene was reading that too, um, that one of the greatest things that I always am so um, just grateful for is um, we were both raised in church, different church settings, but um you know, I knew a lot of the Bible, but I hadn't really ever read the Bible through from cover to cover until I started standing. And what I was so grateful for with every devotional that Charlene, I would read is it was packed full of scripture um, and really teaching on how God presents marriage. And even though I thought I had a really good grasp of marriage and a grasp of godliness and, and all that, um, kind of like what Greg's saying, the teachers of the law, I didn't really know the word of God. And I didn't really know what God said about marriage. And so I feel like my tutorage under Charlene was really just like going to school to learn what God says about marriage and what God says about what I should do and how I should be as a wife. And and I tried to just really take all that in and, and study it and really like really become a student of the law and a student of what God said. And um, I opened my old Bible here today from when then, and I even have notes here. Charlene Care says today, you know, like right next to that passage. And so um, I, I think that's amazing. And I think that so much of our marriage and our lives in general um, just fell apart at the seams in little ways because we did not have a really strong daily feeding of the word of God. Yeah. Like Missy said, you know, we, we were both raised in, in church. We, we, as you mentioned, um, we had a, a long relationship before we got married. We met in, in high school and, uh, 
and we ended up dating till well after high school for six years before we got married. Missy went off to, to college for a few years and uh, I stayed back and, and did some school, did some work, you know, that type of thing um, back home. And so we, we were a little bit long distance, but not really, not, not real long distance through that time. She was just a, a town away going to school and she was back pretty often. Um, but we did, we just sort of strung things out there for, for like six years before we finally did get, get married. But then again, we started dating when we were pretty, pretty young. So. So what did it look like in those early days when you got married? What did, what did your relationship look like? You, you referenced that you didn't really understand what the Bible said as much back then about marriage, but what, what was your relationship like then? Um, well, we had a pretty rough, rocky start because I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't faithful even before we were, we were married. So kind of started that, um, that road badly and early on. And so, um, uh, that the knowledge of all that kind of came to light pretty shortly after we were married. And so our, our early, early married years were, were, uh, pretty rough. And, and, uh, although Missy, um, you know, she, she chose and, and determined to, to stay together and, and make things work. It was, it was a lot of us trying to do it. Um, just kind of gutting it out and doing what we, what we thought was best and what we thought was the right, you know, Christian thing to do, but we didn't have a, a, a good firm handle about, you know, what, what the Bible is trying to teach us about marriage or what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in our lives. We just sort of took a more religious um, path on that and tried to do what was, what was the right thing to do and, and make things work and make things better really using our own ability and, and power and, and we made it work, but, uh, but it was, it was tough. I mean, we, we, uh, we had some real, some real struggles because we weren't trying to do it. I think the right way we were just trying to do it because we thought it was the right thing to do. And so our early, early marriage had some real good things, but some really, really hard, hard times as, as well. I don't remember it being really, I mean, it was definitely, there was definitely, some super low moments and some some things like that but I guess in my world at the time um it wasn't it wasn't awful I mean that definitely there were some moments that were difficult and hard but um I by nature I think look at the glass pretty full and um and, and I'm a perseverer by nature too. And so like, I just felt like we were going to make it cause we were going to work hard at it. We're going to get it done. And we did. Um, but what I guess I look back at is we did it kind of the hard way or I did it the hard way because instead of, you know, looking for supernatural strength from Christ, which I was, and I was like, I would pray about that. But like, instead of like literally having the word of God washing me, and, and opening our marriage to that kind of daily impactful strength from the word of God, from godly counsel, like we were just kind of trying to make it happen with a prayer, if that makes yeah. sense. Right. It sounds like from what Greg said, you guys were just trying to do it in your own power. Like exactly. let's check off these things and maybe <laughs> we'll be happily married and, and live a long life like this. Right. And I also think we... 
although we were involved in church and we were very involved in church, actually, um, we were not being um, like discipled or, or encouraged by people who were strong. And I mean, we, my parents were very strong in the faith, but we were not being like grown and nurtured and, and pruned, nor even after all this, the struggles we've had, like nobody knew about any of that. That was like the big hush, hush, don't mention any of that. Like we didn't have any real solid godly counsel. Even when we got married, we got married in the church. Our pastor, like we had premarital counseling, get it tested to like two goofy sessions. And we took a test that said we didn't really match. And he laughed and <laughs> said, okay, it'll be all right. Um, I, I ended up with six. Uh, we went six times and uh, they said, um, we don't know if you two are opposites. We're not sure, you know. That's what he told us. He's like, basically, and I don't even remember doing uh, doing any sessions with him. I remember going and and him saying, "Oh, I've got this, you know, personality test thing here, and and here you guys can take that, and we're going to lunch." And it's <laughs> like they it's left. so funny because Bob and I took a personality uh, test also, and yeah. I I. Um, but unfortunately, or fortunately, we met and we fell in love. And back, back plus fifty years ago, you did not have long engagements. And and if you didn't want to live in sin, we got married. Looking back, I think we we both very much agree that that our long engagement was was not good for for us and, and our relationship in the future at all. And it, and it kind of laid the groundwork for for. Uh, uh, emotional baggage, I guess, and, and being tied to to uh, uh, a uh, I, I I know there's a, there's a uh, pastor that, that talks about you know kind of this this thought process of, of um, laying groundwork for for this kind of mindset of infidelity before you're married because you you get into these illicit situations before you're married. And they're exciting and fun and whatever. And it's with your spouse with, or, or not with your spouse. Either way, uh, if it's before you're married, then when you get married and you, you try to have a legitimate sexual relationship, then some of that spark is, is missing. You don't feel the same because it was the illicit nature of it that kind of gave you the excitement. And then you're missing that in, in your marriage. So if you, if you don't ever allow yourself to kind of go down that, that road, then, then it, it is the excitement of your, your marriage bed that then becomes the, the norm rather than, you know, missing something from, from your youth. And, and so certainly if we had, had gotten married a lot quicker, I think we could have done, done a lot better for, for ourselves. Yeah. How long were you guys married before you had your first child? 10 years. So Addie came, yeah, the day before our 10th anniversary. Well, let me ask a question. Since she was born with some special challenges um, and health needs, how did that impact your marriage? Addie was born with um, Down syndrome and with major heart defect and had to have open heart surgery when she was six months old. And um, although... um, we were thrilled to have a child and thrilled even uh, to be in this new world that we never knew about, both as parenting and with special needs. Um, 
we did not approach that in a unified situation. Like I very much like most, most moms do went in full mom mode of care, 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 care. And, and I didn't, I mean, there were definitely a lot of tearful nights, just, you know, it's a mom thing, but I didn't feel abandoned or betrayed by God in any way. I just, I just knew we could do it and we would figure it out. And then um, I think Greg, on the other hand, felt different in that situation. And, and I think that that kind of led to some, some additional um, just us going down the path differently and bringing opportunity for Satan to really divide us individually without it without maybe us knowing it collectively that we were both going about this differently yeah i think um i mean like we've talked about we 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 kind of started our our well, we, we built our relationship into uh, not a, a great place and then we started our marriage in a, in a difficult place and and then we um kind of patched it back together with our own um with our own ideas and our own uh, just strength of, of you know, will, putting things together and making sure that, that we continued on and, and made a good life for ourselves. And, and then we, we pursued our, uh, our academic career and then we pursued our, our careers and we're doing all that. And, and like I say, it was like 10 years before we um, even, even considered you know, having a child. And so, you know, it was definitely, you know, a relationship that was built on, <laughs> on very much uh, what we had and what we could do and, and what our abilities were. And although we, we did have um, uh, kind of a, a church going tradition and relationship uh, on the surface with, with God and, and a pursuit of Christ uh, to a, a depth, I, I would think, for both of us, it wasn't nearly as deep as it needed to be. And, and really um, at, at spots, our, our relationship with each other and with, with God was just paper thin uh, because we never, we never put the effort into, into making it uh, deeper than that because we were, we were all about, um, you know, just kind of living our lives and making our lives what we envisioned them to be rather than, than really pursuing God for what he wanted for us and for his purpose and vision for, for our lives. And so then when, um, when you have a life like that, that is uh, just a pursuit of your own vision of what the good and right life for you is supposed to be. And then something comes down that doesn't fit that scheme, then it, it can really, it really can shake you. And like, like Missy said, she, she had the, uh, you know, she had the mom switch to, to flip on and, and, uh, and just begin nurturing and, and doing what, what needed to be done. And, and, uh, um, unfortunately my, my dad switch was, was supposed to be one that, that could, uh, protect and, and prevent those type of things from happening and for protecting our family and, and, uh, uh you know, protecting Missy and, and everything else. And, and, uh, our reliance and especially my reliance, on God at that point was really uh, um, kind of a, a trade 
kind of trade scenario. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, I, I trust in God to, to take and lead our lives and, and do what he, what his will for us is. It, it was, you know, God, I'll do this, but you're going to do this. Uh, you know, right. I, if, if I'm going to live, live this life, then you're going to answer this, these prayers. And, and, uh, and so we, we very much prayed and, and stood in what, what, we thought was standing in faith for what God had for, uh, for our family and for, for Addie. And, and in particular, not, not so much that, that, uh, that she has down syndrome, which was, you know, one of the, one of the factors. And, and of course it wasn't something that we, that we at, at that time would have, have wished for her. Although now we look at it much, much differently than that. We, we, uh, we certainly wouldn't now. I mean, people, people don't understand this, but, but we wouldn't change that at all we if if we had the choice to go back and, and say you know it that is Addie going to have down syndrome or not we would choose having down syndrome every time because every time. because it's, it makes her who she is and it's a beautiful thing um but in addition to that was was the the health issues and, and her heart issues and, and so uh certainly i had had prayed and, and was earnestly seeking for her to be uh, healthy and and strong when she was born and not to have any issues, not to have Down syndrome, not to have uh, heart issues or whatever. And, and nothing that I prayed and, and was you know standing for, nothing, yeah. nothing happened the way that it was supposed to. It's so and funny that really- we're, we often pray, Lord, make this go well, have my baby be healthy, help me get this job, help my finances. We never pray and say, Lord, if you want to use this situation to bring me closer to you or to have my family look more like you, then we're okay with it. And it sounds like you guys got caught off guard with her diagnosis in the beginning in that way. Yeah. And far too often, I think that, that when we pray, even, even now as, as believers, um, I think too often we, we pray and put our faith in the answer rather than in the one who gives the answer. Exactly. If, if our faith is in, in God and, and, and his plan and, and wisdom, uh, then, then we're never disappointed in what, what comes down. But if our, if our faith and what we hope for is, is based solely in the answer that we want out of the situation, then, then as I found myself, <laughs> you, you can get shaken uh, just completely down to the to the bones uh, when you don't get the answer that, that you wanted or expected. Right. How old was Addie when you guys separated? Three. 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 And what did your, what did your marriage look like at that point? When you finally decided to separate, what, what happened? What finally forced that decision? Well, I was the stereotypical standard story. One day Greg just kind of said he was done and he didn't love me and all that. I was clueless and I was like, what? Um, This can't be happening. Like, you know, where is this coming from? And so. um, I think our marriage looked like it was okay, but, but uh, you know, had its, its struggles and and we, we were fine, but had some, some relational tension, you know, it wasn't anything different than what from, you know, from outside appearances than than what a lot of people deal with. I would back that up too with um, a couple other things that I think played big, big things, at least the way I see them. Um, 
we moved, we had been located in one city for years and years and years and had very successful lives there and, and were really pursuing the world's view. I mean, although we were church going and loving Jesus and all that, we were still in pursuit of the world. This was before Addie. And then we moved back to our hometown and we, I started my own business and a little retail shop and I kind of flung all of myself into that wholeheartedly without really actually talking to Greg a whole lot about it. Just, I, I just went ahead and did it because it was great and wonderful. And I thought I was going to do a great job. And so I got super consumed in that. And then we had Addie and I got super consumed in Addie. And so that both, both my pursuit of that business and then Addie, and then we were back in our hometown, which I love my mother dearly and, and, and Greg loves her too, but, but, that took another piece of my pie. Like I got to be with my mom and then I was so doing Greg this. was kind of on the back burner. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I think, and then we were not, we had been really involved in a church family in a church body when we had moved and But when we came back home, we really struggled to find a church home and we were not like deeply connected in a body of Christ. And we were sort of on the fringe and um, I think it was all of those big players that just gave the devil a really good foothold. So then Greg's cards are really shaken when what he's prayed for hasn't come about. We don't have a body of believers we're connected to. I'm, as his wife, just completely over here doing all my own stuff and, and you know, trying to juggle all the balls I have in the air and, and not having any clue that he's really struggling of any kind and he didn't have like godly friends I mean he didn't have it wasn't like he had bad friends he wasn't like going out partying or drinking or anything but he was just you know he was really alone right and and that loneliness god or the devil said hey I can figure out some things to help you not be lonely (laughs) yeah sure and I think that that also with um with anything like uh you know that of, of course shook and began to, to kind of shake our our foundations because things didn't turn out the way that, that we had prayed for or hoped for. And then uh, you add to that immediately, you know, almost the day that she was was born, we we were hit with, you know, medical bills in the in the tens of thousands of dollars just like overnight. Um, and then Missy's business that she mentioned was was not not really prospering it was kind of floundering and so we had debt from from that too so all the things that we had been establishing our life on which this i mean when you look back at it it, it's it really is a it's a beautiful thing it's wonderful that that it all happened like this because uh god really did like all in one fell swoop take from us all the things that that we thought life was about well and i think at the time i was i was um spiritually starting to go okay I need to dig deeper and God is my source and my answer but how do I make I mean I know that and I have like these answers how do I apply those answers to my daily life and so I was looking for ways to do that I was going to ask Greg if you sought the Lord and were you getting touched by the Lord to convict you or was it messy first 
there was no there was no conviction from from God after that point because that relationship in my part was completely broken. Like there was there was no life in me whatsoever. It was gone. Like that broke at that at that point because uh, I felt like I I had been uh, failed and just completely let down because what I trusted and hoped for was you know completely let down and everything else just piled on top of it. So everything that was was piled this kind of rubble of our lives piling on top of that uh, buried any any type of relationship or, or voice of God speaking into my life at all. That was, that was completely non-existent at that point. Well, and so, and I think too, um, then I think I was starting to go, okay, I have to figure out how to, how to live out what I believe is true and how to apply it to these hard times. Let me ask you a question, Missy. When Greg first moved out, were you in that frame of mind from the beginning or in the beginning, did you think, my marriage is done and there's no hope. Um, I don't think I ever was completely without hope. Okay. Um, I, I was, I was angry at first, like really mad. I'm not like, sure that it was, that it was a hope that God had, had a plan to, to restore us though. To be, Missy just doesn't give up hope because she just doesn't ever stop. Like she, right. she knows that she can win at something if she, if she just doesn't ever give up. And so I'm not sure that the first, I mean, she was, she was mad. I'm not sure that she had some grand vision at the very start that God was going to, to do a work. And well, I didn't us. really I know. She thought I'm going to make this work, you know? Well, yeah, but I think he was going to make it work because she made a covenant and she, she didn't even know she made her right. marriage vows and right. she took them seriously. Yeah, and right. that was what she was gold for. Right. And Gray, right. you were looking for the escape hatch in a way and uh, how to deal with everything right. and it's temptation from outside. Well, and I was going to say, that's exactly, you put it perfect, Charlene. Some of this I, I go say goes back to just who we are personality wise and who God made us personality wise, but also how we were raised and the people we were raised around. And in at my household growing up, like, um, there was just always hope, always hope, like, and, and always a positive look at things and always the idea that God could come through no matter what. And that we didn't know when or how, but there could be, you know, you don't, you, you just could put your hope in that. Wait. And that even if it didn't look like it right now, that doesn't mean it's not going to turn around in a little bit. So at the beginning of it, Lori, I don't know that I was, I didn't know, I'd never heard of somebody, God restoring anybody's marriage. And I didn't know any of that. And I was devastated. Like, like I'm not, I'm also not a person to have problems with depression or sadness, but I was, I was depressed. I lost a bunch of weight. I was a bag of tears 24 seven. I was angry and mad and sad and upset and all those things all together in one big fell swoop. And, um, I, I just didn't know what to do. I, I mean, I knew that there had to be something to do, but I wasn't, I wasn't by any means willing to give up, but I just, right. what happened to get you now that you know, you're going to fight for your marriage. What does that look like? Well, I mean, it was a, a blessing from God that I found Rejoice Marriage Ministry, which I say 
it's so funny like god is in google um because my mom had said to me you just just look on the internet for something there's got to be something out there on the internet which is so funny because my mother's not like the internet lady at all she's like google it she's like just i like your mom's your mom had such wisdom I know she actually has very much wisdom, but she kept telling me, just Google it, just Google it. And I kept thinking, she is like, this is craziness. But so one day, really almost to just tell her I did Google it and there was nothing out there, I Googled God save my marriage, expecting there to be like nothing come up, blank screen. And horrified when it came up with like 792 sites or something, I don't know. It was a lot of sites. I just made that number up. Um, but I'm looking through these sites and Rejoice Marriage Ministries was on there and I clicked it and it wasn't even your homepage. It was a page of testimonies. And I just sat there that day and cried and cried and cried as I read testimony after testimony after testimony of people that had had saved marriages. And so I'm like, okay, God, like if you can do it for these people, then why can't you do it for us? And so that's I what see- he wanted you to understand. That's it's right. not about. He needed you to get filled with hope first. Right. And that's what it was. It was like this huge overflowing feeling up of hope. And so um, I signed up for Rejoice Marriage Ministries. And that's when I went under your discipleship, learn about marriage program 101. Um, I found a church home that the pastor, I mean, I went to him right away and said, hey, um, this is where we're at. And this is what I intend to do is to stand for my marriage. And I need a pastor who's going to cover me in that and agree with me in that. And, um, he, he was great. He was like, okay, here's the deal, Missy. And he like, he, he did, we went through some scriptures, he and I, and he gave me this escape clause scripture too. But then he said, but we don't have to take that clause. We can choose otherwise. And I'll stand with you. But if I'm going to stand with you, then we can't quit. Like there's not one time we can quit. And I'm not going to start standing with you unless you're going to commit to me. You will not quit. Did you share with Greg what you were, what you had found and what you were starting to lean into with the hope that your marriage could be restored? Yeah. I mean, I don't remember. Not immediately, but I didn't. Yeah. Kind of in, in, in small doses and, and as, usually mostly as the holy spirit led yeah sometimes <laughs> she, it wasn't but she opened her mouth when 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 the holy spirit said you know okay it's it, you need to tell him this or that and sometimes she she maybe said more than than what god was directing her to but i think she was pretty good on the whole about that so and i mean she didn't share that immediately no. or even the depth of, of everything that that she was kind of no. was building in in her but um but there were specific times, though, I knew I had to do certain things. Like, I can remember one time he was here picking up Addie or doing something with Addie. He was very good to be involved in Addie's life. He was really amazing to still provide for us. Um, anyway, but he was here, and and I knew I had to go out and tell him before he left that I loved him. And I was really stressed about that because um, we had had some really hard, naughty conversations. And I thought, I just don't want to be, you know... I don't want to be ditched again, but I just knew that day I needed to tell him I loved him. And so I, as he was about to leave, I went outside and I just said, I love you. 
and he looked at me like I had lost my mind, but um, I, there were just certain days and certain times I knew I needed to do some things. Like there were quite a few times I learned how to cook during the process of all this, um, but I knew I would, you know, need to make him some brownies or I need to invite him for dinner. And, and sometimes he received them welcomed and sometimes he put up with them and sometimes he didn't receive them. But I, I really tried to just say, God, whatever, whatever you want me to do, I'll be willing to do. And so like I read my Bible through, I started studying the word, I started listening to good teaching. And I was really, really, really mindful about who I would talk to and who I would listen to and what I was like, you know, I always had the radio on Christian music. Um, I tried to I really didn't, I kind of quit watching TV except for cooking shows or teachings, Joyce Meyer and Kay Arthur and anybody that, you know, and I just would notice God would continually like today with Greg's scripture, like it'd be something I had read in the Bible that morning and I'd turn it on something, you know, on the internet or on a show and that person would be teaching on that scripture. If you are like me, you probably like to have as many things in your life automated as possible. Nowadays, we can automate so many things from telling our vacuum when to clean the house while we're at work to automating the oven to turn on to cook our dinner. Well, one of the things that people have enjoyed is our family challenge. It is an automated donation that you can make every month to Rejoice Marriage Ministries without ever having to think about it. When you sign up for the Family Challenge, you can pick your predetermined donation amount and on the first or 15th day of each month, depending on the date that you choose, until you tell us to stop, you will make a monthly contribution to Rejoice Marriage Ministries without ever having to think about it. You can visit www.rejoiceministries.org and click on Donate to find out more about the monthly Family Challenge. Did people around you know that you were standing for restoration, like friends and family, coworkers? Did they know what you were praying for? Um, yes, not, I didn't tell everybody right away, but slowly, but surely. And that was, again, some of Charlene's encouragement, and Bob's too, like, you know, if somebody's around and, and they're hurting or if they're just interested or whatever, you know, tell them. And, and of course, there were quite a few people, godly church people who I love who were really against this. They were very how did, much. How did you handle that? I tried to just be polite, not really have any, like not, not argue with them, not try to convince them, but just, um, just, you know, hear what they have to say and say, thank you. But that's probably not going to, and some of them I probably wasn't super nice to either, but but you did, know, did their did their negativity ever derail you, ever frustrate you, or did you take the attitude that it's not your marriage, and God hasn't called you to do this; He's called me to do it, and so I'm persevering. Which which that, way did you fall? That's you exactly how I did. And and I by nature am not like like I don't need everybody's ap- approval. Like I'm right. not one that needs to have the approval of tons of people. Um, so usually I just be like, chalk it up to like, oh, well, so what, but I will, there was one day I was really down in the dumps. I mean, cause there were definitely days, you know, you're down in the dumps. Cause you're like, right. this stinks. And this isn't what I really planned to happen. And this is what I really want. And 
kind of like our COVID life, right? You know, this, I'd really like to travel to Disney, but I can't do it right now. And, you know, like there were definitely days that we were, I was down the dumps. And one of those days, God told me, make a list of your team. And I'm like, my team? He's like, yeah, there are people on your team. There are people who are praying with you and agreeing with you. And I'm like, okay, well, who are they? And of course, my mom was on my team from the very start, my mom and dad, without a doubt. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I just say, like, before you go on with that, I mean, I think it, it was, that was critical to, that she kind of had this, this team of people that she knew she could rely on. But um, <laughs> what a blessing it is was for us and, and I hope that other people have uh, similar situations but what a blessing it was that that Missy's um, parents were very much on on her team that that they were going to stand and believe that our marriage was going to be restored instead of just writing me off as a big yeah. loser and you need to be rid of that that guy and and you know we'll take care of you you just just get get rid of him and you know which happens far far too often i think but it was it was a real blessing that, that they were they were for our marriage not just not just for their their daughter who i know they they uh, they hurt with and for um but they wanted they wanted to see us restored because they loved me as well and they loved uh that we were a family and they didn't want to see that that end so it, it really was a, a blessing to us right. and a, i think a very uh, very strong influence in the whole thing. So, right. That was just so, um, somewhere I have my list, but I wrote my list of my team and I thought, you know, kind of like I thought there wouldn't be anything pop up on Google. You know, I thought, well, I'll write down like three or four people. Well, before I knew it, I had like almost a whole legal pad full of people that um, either had like somewhere along the line sent me a note card that said, Hey, I'm praying for you. Or um, right away, I didn't, I, I'd, not forgotten this, but I opened my Bible, my old, old Bible. And I remembered like, um, right after Greg moved out way before I even knew anything about rejoice marriage ministries. Before you really even told anybody. Before I moved, on. Yeah. I hadn't even told anybody that, that he had moved out or anything. Um, we weren't going to a, a church at that point that we weren't very involved with at all. Um, and a girl came up to me after one Sunday and handed me a really nice um, letter she had written me, very quiet girl. And it was all about how God had restored their marriage. And she was like, I don't know why I'm giving you this, but I just want you to have, ha I just want you to know. Well, she just noticed that it had been a few weeks and I hadn't been there and, and she didn't know what exactly was going on, but right. obviously there was something going on. And um, we're still that perceptive and what an amazing, and that should be right. an example for all of us listening uh, cool. that you can help other people while you're going through a trial or tribulation and you know, and their, marriage, their marriage wasn't really fixed fixed even at that point i mean it was better and they were together but we've got to walk alongside them since that point even as god restored our marriage and help and walking and praying with them as god continues to restore all of our marriages um, so that was a huge blessing, but, you know, so I just, I had this list of people that, you know, had sent me cards or people who had, you know, said, I'm praying for you or people who had stopped in the office and prayed with me. Um, so, you know, I think the devil likes for all of us to think we're alone, yeah. that we're, we're the yes, only one and God can't do that because that's crazy. And, you know, and. I think we just have to really say out loud, like, 
God's no respecter of person. If he could do it for one, he can do it for any. And I was yesterday listening to some scriptures while I was taking a shower. Isn't it wonderful? You can put your phone on and it can read yeah. to you or whatever. But um, it was a, it was a YouTube video on scriptures of healing. And it was all the different scriptures about every time people came to Jesus to be healed, never did he turn anybody away. But you know, the devil would have us believe that, that, Oh, he can't do it for you, or he's not going to do it for you, or this is, you know, this is too the hard. Enemy wants, right. The enemy wants us to feel isolated. Like you're the only person. There's no right. hope. No right. one's going to partner with you in this. Right. And it's not right. true. And that's yeah. not true. And we need to really, and back to reading the word of God, like read the word of God and see where, what did Jesus say? What did he do? He never left us. He never, I mean, he says he's going to walk with us and no matter what, he never turned somebody away and said, you're, you're too far gone, or this is not, this is more than I can deal with, or you're not worthy of, I mean, like, just say, look at what it says in the book. It says that he is able and that right across, I was laughing when Charlene started this in Matthew 19, this earlier, but like right across the page, it says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humbly speaking, is it impossible? But with God, everything is possible. Amen to that. And, you know, when you talk about your pastor was saying, you know, when you start this, you're going to keep on doing it. But I want to interject on that because if your pastor, like my pastor and, his, and, the, and the associate said to me, you've got to draw a line and you've got to kick them out and you've got to do this and that. And then when we start, I started, the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, you need to start praying and, and fasting for your marriage to be restored. He, they were very shocked is the word, I guess. And not in agreement per se due to the circumstances. And I want to say to you, do what the Lord tells you to do. You know, our churches have had a divorce come in and, and the devil's come in with a heyday with that. But we've got to know that God's word is that we need to stand firm and believe for marriage restoration, believe for healing, believe for all of these different things, because the Lord it can do anything. Nothing is impossible. And time is not the limit. It's, it doesn't matter uh, if you've been separated or divorced for a few years or whatever the circumstances are, it matters what the Lord is guiding and directing you to do and being obedient to his will and way in your life. Let's talk about restoration because obviously we made it to restoration because you two are sitting side by side today. And the day we're recording, this is actually your 25th wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Praise the Lord. So tell, tell us a little bit about how restoration happened. Suddenly. Have you ever heard that before? Is that a new word? Sometimes it happens that way. <laughs> I've heard that word. I've heard that word. <laughs> suddenly. Um, not, I mean, it was suddenly like super, like I, I remember all those, all those um, Charlene cares reading about suddenly, reading about suddenly thinking suddenly. And then the day came, it was suddenly. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I didn't even have anything to say, Charlene. I remember sitting. So Greg called me up. 
he called me and I couldn't answer the phone. I was actually with a client. And so he left me a voicemail, said he wanted to go to lunch, which I couldn't go to lunch because I was with the client. Um, but I called him back later and said, hey, you want to come over? And so he had been, um, I'll give you a little clips of, of things had been slowly changing. Um, he was coming for dinner a lot. We had actually gone on a family vacation together. Things seemed like they were working working pretty well. And I thought for sure we were on a good good trek to restoration, just ASAP. Um, and then I got divorce papers, which was kind of weird. That was also a suddenly. Um, and I didn't understand that. But anyway, so fast forward to just a few months after that, he called me and he came over that night and he sat on the chair across from the chair I was sitting in in the living room. And he just said, hey, here's the deal. This is what I've been thinking. I would like to move home, which I had in the past told him um, that I was standing for our marriage and that I was planning on being his wife until I died one way or the other. And that anytime he wanted to come home, he was welcome. And so he said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to come home to be your husband. I'm not intending for us to have some great marriage. I just feel like it'd be better financially for us and we can co-parent and um, I was just wondering what you were thinking about that. And I sat there with my jaw on the floor going, wow. And so I said, sure. Um, now, he, let me ask you a question. That's not how you, got, you had been praying he would come home, right? It looked different. So how looked, did you feel about that? <laughs> I didn't care. I was okay. good. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the dream moment, but. I also kind of knew like, I'm, I guess I'm just not your average girl or something, but I just didn't imagine that we were going to go from this very distant, unemotional connected relationship to poof, he was going to sweep me off my feet. We were going to run away. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, you know, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't the dream I thought of, but it wasn't, it was okay. Cause I just, I mean, that was such, I mean, that was such a far, huge, big, big step, like out of the blue. I didn't know where it came from that. I was like, okay, I'll take it. Like, like, great. This is a God miracle, a God circumstance, a God instant that you right. moving, you know, God is moving. Right. Exactly. And so, um, I, I am going to back up a smidge, Lori, and tell you that, like, um, probably, I don't know, I'll have to look at my Bible, but maybe six or eight months prior to all that, I had been praying one morning, and uh, and God spoke to me that I was going to have a son, and I was like, really? How, how's that going to happen, God? I don't even have a husband, so that's interesting, but okay, uh, and then that following week and week after, um, multiple times God confirmed that through scripture, through uh, a message from the pastor, through just different things. And so I just began believing that I would have a son. And, and so that was kind of interesting too. Um, and so anyway, so Greg went home into the spare bedroom and I got to help him go clean his apartment and bring stuff home and, bring stuff home that had been given to him by other people that 
I wasn't so excited about, but I just smiled and said, okay, we brought it home anyway. Wise decision, wise decision. Let God tell him to throw it out, right? Right, right. And, uh, and at the time, it seemed kind of like a big deal. And now I kind of look at it and I think I don't even remember most of that stuff. But at the time, I remember it was really like kind of a little gouge in the heart, but it, it all played out fine in the end. And how did your, how did your relationship start to change from there and to where you started to get more, instead of acting like roommates, more like husband and wife and really talking about going forward as a married couple again? Well, well really it was, I, I think the, the groundwork was, was laid uh, for all that well before I came home. And also the reason that, you know, I felt welcome to come home. I mean, you talk about how, you know, how and when Missy, um, talked to me or told me about, you know, what she was standing for and, and all that. And, and I think she did, you know, she told me some things and she wrote me some, some notes and things like that and, and kind of gave me insight as to what she was uh, believing in and, and standing for and that she was going to, to be my wife, uh, you know, no matter how I acted uh, and all that, you know, as before we were, were restored and that was, was good. It was all, helpful and, and sometimes it was well received and sometimes not but but uh, when she when she said those things you know with the leading of the holy spirit it was i, I think better better received but more than right. that it was it was a lot about how she um how she was really changing as as a person as well and i could i could see that she was uh, very much different than, than what i expected her to be uh, kind of what our relationship had been before, even before we, um, before I moved back in, um, just, I, I know there were several times when I, I noticed and noted a, a change in, in her and, and, and uh, really saw that, that, um, you know, something was, was different and there was, there was more of a, um, peace and, and joy to her life, even in the midst of, of difficult circumstances. And so that, I think laid the groundwork for uh, how God began to really restore our, our marriage, not just, not just bringing me home to, to uh, be in the house, but um, to see that she was a different person. And then what I did. Let me get- interrupt you for one second and read a scripture that, that comes yeah. to mind when you say that, and you probably know where I'm going, but first Peter chapter three Um, starting in verse one, wives in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words, but by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And it sounds like that's what Missy was living out. Yeah, absolutely. Very much. That scripture. Very much. And then, and then when I did come home, the, the, the one thing uh, above everything else that, that she did was, well, I mean, she wanted very much for us to, to be um, you know, pursuing our, our relationship again and, and to be like a married couple, not just roommates. Uh, and she wanted me to, to pursue a relationship with God and, and all those things, but she didn't like, tell me those things. She didn't nag me about those things. She didn't like browbeat me about those things. She just lived her, her 
her life and made the invitation for me to be a part of that. And then she very much uh, lived in a way where she uh, had expectations for for who I was going to be as a husband and father. And she treated me like I was that person, even yes. when I was very much not that person. She treated me like uh, the good husband that she uh, wanted me to be and knew I could be, uh, even when I wasn't being that. And she treated my, me like I was a good and you know, respectable father, even when I wasn't being. She, she gave me um, her end of the covenant relationship without me having to fulfill my end of it, which is really what a covenant is about. It's not a, not a contract that, that a lot of people uh, try to make their relationships about. It is a covenant that's much higher than that. It's not about, I will do this and you do that. It's, it's about, I will do this, whether or not you do your, your part or not. And she lived that very well uh, in those, those early uh, months and years, uh, especially so, uh, treating me like the man that, that I should be. And, and I think that's huge because it wasn't that she was going to wait until you became the person that she believed God had called you to be. She was, she was almost calling it out in you through her behavior and through her actions. And I think that's absolutely. huge. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that was big. It was instrumental in, in, in laying the groundwork for where our relationship could go and, and, and what has continued to, to grow into, uh, into us having the, the type of relationship with each other that, that we should have had, but more so uh, the relationship that is between uh, each of us and our Lord and Savior. And, and then he establishes that, that bond between us. As we are bonded to, to him, then he creates that, uh, that strength between between us as a husband and wife as well. It's not just us pursuing it for the sake of our marriage. We weren't, we weren't pursuing a, a restored marriage just so that we could have a, a nice home and a, and a pleasant, peaceful life. It was, it was something bigger than that. And, and we've been uh, striving to try and pursue Christ and what, what he wants uh, well above what we want for ourselves personally. And the, really cool benefit to that is that uh, he creates great things for us in in the process like we right. we're trying to to pursue him and, and live a life for him and then he gives us a good life uh together a good family and a good marriage and uh, even though when we struggle we know that we have something that is is um, founded in in christ and he can bring us back to where we we need to be when, when we are incapable of doing that ourselves. And, and right. we, trust me, we're very incapable in and of yes. ourselves. I want to ask you guys about your post-restoration life. But before that, can you tell me about the first marriage conference that you attended um, together after your separation was over? Right. So um, some uh, people we went to church with um, that had a restored marriage um, somebody had gifted them a family life, um, conference. And so they, um, Greg had been going to church with me randomly, but not like a lot, but so they had met him a few times at different things and stuff. And, um, they knew they actually were on my team. 
from the start from a long time before that and um so the gentleman came one day and said hey we've um we somebody gave this to us years ago and it was very helpful and so we'd like to offer that to you would you like to go and so we went so it was a couple months which that too like I was thrilled I was so excited like jumping up and down inside me but I was acting like I was just on the download (laughs) no and then um that was a god instance (laughs) I just told Greg you know it's totally up to you like you know I would like to go but it's really your call like you know, it takes both of us to go because we were still totally roommate scenario at that point. And so, so we went, we went to that and that's really when God really kind of broke, broke everything and just created the newness right then and there. And, and, um, that was definitely the big suddenly moment, you know, (laughs) there was the suddenly to like come home, but that was the suddenly to come home to Christ. And did you have, didn't you have the opportunity that weekend to renew your vows? Yes, we did. We did. We did. That, that weekend was a pretty big weekend in all we, and we, I got to tell Greg about like that God had told me that we were going to have son. And I thought Greg would like lose his mind, but he was like, okay, that sounds great. And lo and behold, about (laughs) nine months later, we had a son. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty. pretty God knew. (laughs) yeah so it was really a suddenly like suddenly we were married again suddenly we are gonna have a baby suddenly everything (laughs) god god started bringing some things around that you had been praying for that's right that's right and so well let me ask you after after your restoration you've been restored how many years now 10 10 10 years. So, so how does post restoration marriage look different than pre restoration? Like you, you're kind of like my parents where you have um, almost two different lives in your, in your married life. You have the before and the after. So after, do you communicate differently? Do you fight differently? Do you um, see that you're different spiritually? Like how is your marriage different than it was before? I don't know. That's a lot. I, I think we probably both see that different. Sometimes I think, I'm going to think of how I'm going to word this so people don't freak out, but sometimes I think now we, um, well, I feel like there's a lot more transparency between us. And so when we are firing on all cylinders, it's really um, like super amazing, like better than we ever could have ever been before, even when we were trying our hardest. But I also feel like we also have times where we can be completely not firing on all cylinders. And it looks, it looks kind of not looks, but like, there's a lot of um, yeah, there's not agitation whole, between us. Sometimes. There's not a whole lot of, of play acting that goes on in, anymore. And so, um, it's not all sunshine and daisies, man. Yeah. I uh, think that's important for people to hear you say that because the first time there's an argument after restoration or their first time, there's like a hint of something that was before people will panic and they'll think, Oh, this is it. You know, we're, we're going to be headed for destruction, but no marriage is perfect. And you're always going to have those ups and downs, the times where you're really coming together as a couple and the times where 
life got busy and we haven't been spending as much alone time or we haven't been together in the word. And I think it's so important for, for people to hear that you experience that even in restoration. I remember the first time my parents had an argument after they were restored. And I was like, I was what, 14, 15 at the time, maybe 16. And, and I was like, Oh, I'm getting the suitcase. This is it. I knew it wasn't going to last. But now as a person who's also been married 25 years, I see it, that it's okay to have those times that, you know, that you admit and realize some days we're not firing on, on the same cylinder page and some days it's perfect. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say is, is I'm glad you, you did a really good job, Lori, of saying all that. Cause sometimes I almost think we fight not more now, but we fight more intently now than we did before. Yeah. Um, or as some people, we have a friend who they, they don't fight. They just have very loud discussions. Um, <laughs> and so, um, and I think our kids even sometimes, um, well, I think it's interesting actually, because feel um, like that same thing, Lori, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think Andrew, although he didn't actually experience us before and, and being separated and, and all that, because he was born after we were, we were restored. I think he's the one that, that feels the most stressed by those situations. Like when we, when we fight or, or, or disagreeing or whatever, when we have tension, then uh, of course he knows, you know, where we have been in the past. And so right. I think lots of times he, he jumps to this kind of fearful position of, of you know, well, mom and dad are going to split up because that's what they did before. But I mean, right. we, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't speak for what's going on in, in Missy's head, but I can speak for what's going on in my head. And um, like, that doesn't, that doesn't go into my head at it all, doesn't. ever, yeah. never. And well, I don't think it ever did really for, for Missy before, but it obviously did for me often before. Right. And, uh, and now it, it doesn't at all. Like, like there are, are times when it can be pretty miserable and we can, we can be at odds with each other and not be, not be, uh, you know, yeehawing together at all. And, and the only thing that you think is, well, you know, this, this is going to get better or, you know, we're going to live a life that's going to be miserable, but we're going to be miserable together because it's, it's not going down. Amen. Well, and I just Uh, think that it, Lori is so right on that. Like a lot of times, so much of it, just if we will stop and halt and and look at what's really going on it has to do with you know like we haven't spent time together we haven't really spent too much time like we we now work together too because we have have our own own firm together and so we don't work for other people or which that's a huge blessing that also it's a huge blessing but but it also is a lot of, of of trial and tension as well because it now, creates new challenges yeah so now we're we're, we're together like constantly because we're we're at work together we're at home together we're you know everything that we pursue is is together and so that is entirely different than, than what we had before but it's it really is exactly what it needs to be for for us and I don't, I don't recommend it for just anybody but it's what it what it needs to be for us and it, and it works really nicely but then it it lends itself to kind of that escalating tension because it can be you know sometimes you can have as a husband and wife, you have, have arguments that aren't really about what you're arguing about because you have tension at work or, or you have, you're at work and you have tension at home. But with us, if we have tension at home and we're at work, we're together. And if we have tension at work and we're at home, well, we're together. We're, we're still our own, our own big tension. 
as we're finishing up, Greg and Matthew, I want to ask you both a question. If you were to talk to one stander right now that is ready to try to work on marriage restoration and working on the restoration part, what would you suggest they do? And Greg, can you talk to say it's worth coming home and it's worth working on it and that God can restore marriages? I mean, I think when they've been out of the house or they're trying to come back in, they've got a battle going on in their mind. And what you would say from your perspective, uh, how God made it turn it around to good. Do you believe what the word of God says? And are your beliefs, are your emotions, are your actions, are the way you're speaking and the things you're doing, are they truly representing the fact that you believe the word of God? And so I would just encourage standers that they, number one, know the word of God and that they, number two, really like evaluate their thoughts and their actions and their and their comings and goings based on how does that reflect the word of God? Because I think so often we get discouraged or we get um, down and out or, or feeling like giving up. And we just, we just have forgotten what the word says, you know, it says that he would not put us to shame. And it says that greater is he who is in me than he is who in the world. And it says that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And it says that um, nothing is too hard for God. And it says that um, if we'll humble ourselves and pray that he'll heal our land. I mean, do we believe what it says or not? And I think that in our current day and age of where we're at in this world, And we really, 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 all of us have got to wash our mind with the water of the word. And we have to decide, do we really believe what God says? And do we really think he's going to do what he says? That's one thing I did. I had done a Beth Moore Bible study years before we were even separated. And I started reciting that every morning. I still do. And I recite that God is who he says he is. And God can do what he says he can do. And I am who Christ says I am. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I believe in God. And if, if we could just start with that, then I think it would answer everything. I would say from, from the perspective of uh, prodigal, and, and, and I hope that, that there is uh, a prodigal, at least one out there listening to, to this, that uh, is questioning why they are even doing what what they're doing. Um, I think that that very often, this was the case with me, and and I don't think that the word of God wastes its words. I think that that there are are uh, stories and, and examples in the word of God for for a purpose, and I think that it's very fitting that the story of the prodigal is is told. And uh, as was in our case, and I think very often with other people, um, you know, I came back home as a prodigal, not because I was looking for uh, some perfect restored marriage, but just because I was broke and I was, you know, needing some. As in like without money. Broke. Yeah, <laughs> like I was needing, needing some help and some respite from, from that. And that's, that's basically the story of the, of the prodigal itself. It wasn't that he was 
regretful or, or repentive of, of what he had, had done, but he just, he was broke and he was living a life that was, was tearing him up. And he decided, you know what, my, my life that I used to have was, was not nearly as bad as I thought it was. And I'm going to go back to my father's house. And I think that, that a lot of people would find themselves in that same position as prodigals, that the life that you thought you were going to have, the life that you thought you deserved and were pursuing uh, for your great gain and happiness has really fallen flat. And maybe it's time to just give it up and get back home to where your, your uh, spouse is waiting for you and your home is waiting for you. And, uh, and you can see that, that they are there uh, standing in, in, in faith, looking to, to restore what was lost, just like the father was standing waiting for his son to come back. And when he saw him, he ran to him and restored him, even when the son wasn't looking for that, which is, is an amazing story. And I think far too often we, we discount the, the, uh, the fact that, that the father was standing there waiting for that, that prodigal son to come back and, and the son wasn't coming back on on hands and knees begging for forgiveness. He just wanted to have uh, a place at the table so that he wasn't starving anymore. But the father didn't even let him get out his plea for for uh, forgiveness or, or restoration. He gave him far more than what he was uh, what he was even looking for. And, and uh, so I would say to a, a prodigal that, that uh, you know, in in these times, and, and we are we are very obviously coming to the, the close of our time here in this world. And, and there will be a time in the not too distant future where we're not going to have the opportunity to, to make the decision for Christ and to make the decision to, to live a life that is, is worthy of, of that calling. Just give it up. Just stop, Stop leading yourself down a, a path that is is not taking you where you expected it to go, and 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 stop trying to convince yourself that that you're going to gain something out of this because you're not. It's 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 just not getting you anywhere, and you know that uh, the the prodigal in those situations knows that, but but far far too often we're too stubborn to admit our own failure. And uh, I will say uh, the other thing that that spoke deeply to me and this this was something that God spoken to my heart uh, when we were on the, the marriage that marriage retreat and really what what finally um, brought me to the point of, of just saying okay you know I, I've got to got to come back and got to got to live this life differently and, and uh, um, I just remember God in, in a specific moment speaking to me uh, in, in that same kind of um, vision that Paul had uh, when he was on the, the road to Damascus and in one of the accounts that he that he gives, he talks about how Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Isn't it hard? <clears throat> Isn't it hard to kick against the goads? And it's always such a, a stupid story. And, and, and it's it's kind of funny, but but it's true, man. We're, we're out there and we're kicking against these, these goads, which were the sharpened sticks that shepherds used to, to make the sheep go in a certain direction. And, and, and we're there kicking against that, trying to get our own life and, and trying to do what, you know, what we think is, is best for us. And it's hurting us and it's hurting the people around us. And, 
and yeah, we keep on kicking against the goats. And, and I, I just think it's, it's such an amazing uh, story when, when Jesus speaks to Paul and says, you know that what you're doing is hurting yourself and hurting other people. And you know that it's not even what you want to do. It's hard to kick against the goats. So how about just stopping it? How about, how about just stopping and, and going the right direction? And, and so that's what I would say to a, a prodigal right now is you don't have time to keep kicking against the goats. How about just stopping that and using the, the heart and the, the mind that God has given you to understand that there's a better way and that he wants something better for you and, uh, and go the right direction that you know is right and you know he wants you to go as, as well. And I would just... Uh, just end up with, with the verse from, from Philippians to, to say that uh, even though you don't know what the end is going to be, that uh, Philippians 1 says that I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And I know that, you know, uh, lots of times we, we, we want to know the future. <laughs> we want we want to know how this is going to turn out if we're going to if we're going to call the ball and 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 make that change. But uh, really, the rest of eternity just begins with that one that one step and that one decision, that one small work beginning in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't take doing the whole thing right now, but it's the work that Christ begins in you that He will bring to to finish in the end. And and you just have to make the the a single step back. Uh, it takes a lot of steps to get away from from God and, and a lot of steps to get away from your home, but it only takes one step to, to really come back. And, and so that's, that's what I would say. Amen. You know, Bob would say to you, well done, Greg. That could not have been said better. But he said, God told him every night he laid his head on that pillow to go back home and he battled it over and over and over again. And then he finally obeyed when we went out to take me to lunch and uh, God spoke, today is the day you're going home. <laughs> so it's your <laughs> obedience. Well, I think it's kind of cool with Bob too, because uh, kind, of, kind of the same story. I mean, uh, and reading his, his account to it, it was, <laughs> I could just, just kind of hear, hear Bob thinking, but but I don't want to get married again, you know. But I was like, no, you're going to. And he's like, okay, you know. It it, it wasn't Bob's fear of God. Craig's idea, but it was God's idea. And and uh, sometimes it's just easier to decide that God actually does have a better idea than you do. My Bible is open to this, and so and and I thought that's interesting because Greg, what Greg's saying is really just to be obedient. Just be obedient, like not because you know it, not because it makes sense, but just because you're being obedient. And it says right here, um, and this is Isaiah 50. So I, this is in the message. So I know how to encourage tired people. And this is for standers. He wakes me up in the morning, wakes me up, opens my ears to listen as one ready to take orders. The master God opened my ears and I did not go back to sleep, but I, I did not pull the covers back over my head. I followed the orders. And then it goes down. I'm going to skip a few verses and it just says, um, let's take our stand together. Who dares bring suit against me? Let him try. 
look, the master God is right here. And it just, it's just setting, and it says right before that, therefore I set my face like flint, confident that I'll never regret this. And, you know, that's what I think standing people need to really realize that they will not regret it because God is faithful to do what he says he's going to do. If we will take orders and obey. Amen. Well done. You both said excellent, excellent things today. We have been so blessed by hearing you both share next to each other and think of where you were and, and God has moved so mightily. Would one of you be willing to close us in prayer and, and pray for the people who are going to hear this, this message and this hope? Sure. Dear God, we just thank you this day. We thank you that this is the day that you have made and that we have um, such a hope, God, a hope of all eternity that is set in you and that you have been so kind to us, God, to save us. That while we were yet sinners, God, that you died, you sent your son that died for us, that we might know truth and we might have freedom. And we just pray right now for all those listening, God, that whatever has been said here would only be to magnify you and would give strength and encouragement and would bring unity amongst your believers, God, that we would have people just from all over the world hear this and know that you are able and that there's nothing too hard and that your covenant of marriage is a covenant God that you if you put men together man and wife then nothing can separate that because it's your doing it's not man's doing and we just pray right now that many prodigals would come home and I pray for many standers God that they would be ready their hearts would be in line with you that they would have tenderness and mercy, that they would not be full of bitterness or regret or loss of hope, but that they would be full of joy, that the joy of the Lord would be their strength and that the oil of gladness would cover them, God. We pray that you would bring health and healing to many, that many would see your mighty hand at work. And as these last days unfold, God, that we would see a huge outpouring of your spirit in a way that would just be mind-blowing, that people would just be blown away with all that you're doing in marriages, in families, in churches. Lord, that we would dig deep, that we would read your word, that we would let it wash us and cleanse us, and that we would hide it in our heart that we might not sin against you. We thank you, God, that you are good and able and that there's none like you. What a mighty God we serve. And Lord, you said that you would meet us in the fire and you'd walk through us through those waters. And we trust that you will bring us out on the other side and that we would not be dismayed, but we would look to you and know that in you and through you, all things are possible. We love you, God, and we thank you for this day. Bless Rejoice Marriage Ministry, God. Just pour your spirit out upon them and just bless them just over and over and over till like it's just running out at every corner, God, the blessings. We thank you for that. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.